Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. During this interim period, we want to focus on two things. The presence of God and the purpose of God. For it is in His presence that His purpose is revealed to us. We want to be a people who constantly seek the Lord through prayer. James tells us to come near to God and He will come near to you. We want to be a people who seek the Lord through the study of His Word. Did you bring your Bible or your electronic version of your Bible with you today? If you did, quote with me today's memory scripture and hold your Bible high. Sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Now we can do much better than that. Let's say it together. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. It is in his presence that we are empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit to fulfill his purpose to love God and our neighbor and to go and to make disciples. Well, this past week, Debbie and I took a trip. It was a vacation, if you will. We had planned this about six months ago. We really, well, the timing wasn't very good. We didn't know the inter- interim period would be now, and so it was hard for us to really leave. Uh, but we planned this six months ago, and it was a trip unlike most trips that we take. Typically, when we go on vacation, we go with our family. We usually get a place and hang out with the family and just enjoy the grandkids and just you know, have a wonderful time. Or we go on a mission trip. And basically, that's our vacations. Well, we decided that we would do something different, and we went to one of these all-exclusive resorts. It was in Cancun. And so for three nights and four days, we went to Cancun, and we went to this place called the Royale. And it was really gorgeous. I mean, our hotel room overlooked the ocean, and, and it was just gorgeous. So we get there, and we arrive at our destination, and uh, uh, we're greeted by a bellhop. And he says, can I take your bags? And I said, no, we just have carry-on luggage. We'll just take it to our room. And so we, he then moved us to the register to register. Well, before he let us go, he put his hand on his chest, and he kind of bowed to us. I thought, that was interesting. And then we meet the gal, and she introduces herself and says, it's great to have you, Mr. and Mrs. Person. And they were expecting us. They knew who we were. And uh, after giving us directions and putting on us our little wristband around our wrist, uh, she said, you're in room 621, and your room is here. And then she put her hand on her heart, and she just kind of nodded her head in our direction. I thought, well, I wonder if that's the custom of the people of Cancun. And so then we went upstairs to our room, and of course it was just a beautiful room, just a great big king-sized bed uh, overlooking the ocean. It was on the sixth floor right in the center, center of the resort. Um, and you, look out, so you could lay on the bed and just see the ocean. It was just absolutely gorgeous. Well, we walked down towards lunch, and uh, we saw a, a gentleman there who was sweeping the hallway. And he saw us, and he looked up, and he put his hand on his heart and kind of nodded to us. I thought, well, that's kind of polite. So we, then we went to lunch, and, and they said, well, what is your room number? And 621. 
So he said, it's good to have you, Mr. and Mrs. Person. And, and, uh, and the hostess introduced herself, and after introducing herself, she put her hand on her heart and just kind of nodded to us. Now I'm really curious. Everybody I've seen, you know, they're acting the same way. They're being very uh, courteous and gracious to us. We then are seated by the hostess, and she takes the napkin, and she puts it across her you know, lap and helps us to be seated. And then introduces to our waiter, and the waiter introduces himself and puts his hand on his heart and kind of nods to us. I'm wondering, well, is this a part of the culture? Well, Thursday afternoon, while it was snowing here in Fort Wayne, Debbie and I went snorkeling in Cancun. So I was in the Caribbean Sea snorkeling, and she actually went in a, in like a submarine. She observed the, coral, observed the coral reefs and the fish through the submarine, while I observed the coral reefs and the fish through a mask and snorkel. It was kind of a great time. But I noticed while we were there, people were very nice and they were kind because they expected to be tipped. But they didn't put their hand on their heart and, and nod their head. That was very polite and very gracious. But as I was sitting there having lunch one afternoon, I thought to myself, my hostess doesn't really know me. She calls me by my last name, Mr. and Mrs. Person, but she doesn't know me. And she's just being courteous because, well, she's been trained to do that. I appreciated the fact that she greeted us warmly. On the U.S. Today, we are filled, the U.S. Today is filled with cultural Christians. People who say, I know Christ or I believe in Christ. I've always been a Christian. I I live in a Christian nation. I, I attend church two, three, four times a year. People who think that they are right with God because they believe in the Bible, they bow in honor of Christ, but they really don't know Him. You see, they haven't experienced Christ because they have not asked Christ to come into their heart. They haven't come to that place of decision where they confess their need of Christ, where they confess their sins. See, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us needs a Savior. And even though people across our nation acknowledge Jesus, there are many who have not yet accepted Him as their Savior and Lord. In this interim period, we want to focus on the presence of God. We want to know more than just about Him. We want to know Him. And we want to dwell in his presence. Turn with me to John chapter 17. Today we continue our study in the high priestly prayer. Jesus had been with his disciples. He was preparing them for his death and his departure. His death was just a few hours away and his departure, his ascension would come in the days to come. Now in chapter 17, we find Jesus praying to the Father in verses 1 through 5. And he prays this intimate prayer, and we have the privilege of looking in at this intimate prayer that Jesus prays to the Father where he says, Father, glorify your Son, that your Son might glorify the Father. Then in verses 6 through 19, Jesus prays for his disciples. He prays for unity. He prays for protection. He prays that they will be filled with joy. 
Joy that is found in an intimate relationship with God, the Father. And that is only possible because of Christ. You see, we can only have an intimate relationship with God the Father because of Christ Jesus. John 14, 6 makes it very clear to us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We live in a world that bows to God, but will often deny Jesus Christ. But the scriptures are very clear, no one comes to the Father Except through me. You see, you cannot have a relationship with God the Father until you have first accepted Jesus Christ and asked Him into your heart and your life. Now, in our verse today, Jesus continues to pray for His disciples. And He prays that they will be set apart for the work that God was calling them to do. That they would be sanctified. That they would, like Christ, glorify the Father. Let's look at verses John 17, verses 15 through 19. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly Sanctified. What does it mean to be sanctified? To be set apart for the purpose of God. You see, God sends us, but he does not send us without first empowering us and equipping us. It is this process of sanctification, of setting us apart for his holy work that God empowers us and equips us for his call. See, as Christians, we are called to live by God's standards and not by the world's standards. To be sanctified or set apart for God's purpose. In verse 16, look at verse 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus is referring to our position in Christ. Of who we are in Christ. You see, the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, the moment you ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to come into your heart, the moment you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a child of God. You become a part of the redeemed. You are adopted into His family. You are no longer a part of this world, but you are a part of the kingdom of God. Look at verse 16. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Listen, this world is not our home. We are just passing through. Heaven is our home. Are you living for eternity? Are you living for the moment? You see, our life is but a mist. We're here for a moment and we're gone. And only what we do for eternity will last. And the only way that that can happen in our lives, that we can make a difference for eternity, is if we allow God to set us apart for His work, for His glory, so that we might glorify the Father as the Son prayed, Father, glorify Your Son so the Son can glorify the Father. Now listen, we're not only not longer a part of this world, but we're to be a set apart from this world. 
What is Jesus talking about in verse 17 when he says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. This concept of setting apart for the use of God is not a new one. We find this concept in the Old Testament. We find people were set apart for the use of God. Certain things were set apart for the use of God. Uh, The articles of the tabernacle were sanctified. The sacrifices were sanctified. And the priests were all sanctified for the use of God. The word sanctification also has to do with the cleansing or the purging or the removing of alloys or mixes in our lives that render objects unacceptable to God. It's the purification of God. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to live in us in such a way that he has full reign in our lives. To take away that anger, that jealousy, those emotions that are natural to man. But if we don't allow God to purify us and to sanctify us, we'll live bitter, angry lives. God wants to transform us. He wants to renew us. He helps us, wants to help us to become the person He has created us to be. The word sanctification has to do with the purifying through the hope, by the Holy Spirit of our lives. Being set apart. So we can live a life that exemplifies the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to live such a way. Sanctify them by your truth. What is truth? It is the revealed word of God, the Logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Logos became flesh. Truth is Jesus Christ. Christ is the instrument of our sanctification. Look with me at verse 19 of John 17. For, I, for them I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. Why would Christ need to sanctify himself? After all, he's the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. Why would he sanctify himself? And yet, if you look at it, he is the perfect example of one who's been set apart. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. From the very beginning of time, you were thought of. And the plan of Christ was to die. The plan of God was for Christ to die for you and for me. He was set apart for your redemption, for my redemption. He was set apart so that we might be justified, made right before God. He is the example of our sanctification. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gates to make the people holy through his own blood. You see, it's Jesus himself who died for you that empowers us to become holy. But it's the Holy Spirit that works in us. The biblical view of sanctification like salvation is a work of God empowered by the Holy Spirit. In salvation, we come to God as a rebel. Sinners. In sanctification, we come as children of God seeking a deeper walk. 
consecrating our lives to our Lord and Savior. In justification, you have the work of Christ alone on behalf of the sinner. But in sanctification, you have the work of the Holy Spirit applied to the believer. You see, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that enables us to have right attitudes and right thoughts, empowers us to become more and more like Christ. We cannot do this in our own strength. We cannot simply be a reflection of Christ by trying to be a good person. It comes when we allow Christ to work in us, to purify us, and we say yes to that deeper and that wider relationship. Yes, Lord. John fourteen sixteen. And I, and, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. John sixteen thirteen. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. What is truth? Look at this. John 17 says, Sanctify them by, your, by the truth, your word is truth. Christ was the perfect example. Christ is truth. He has given us His Holy Spirit to speak to us, to guide us into all truth. Sanctify them by your truth. So we live by the Spirit. Do we? Do we live by the Spirit? Do we allow Him to have full control of our lives? It's unfortunate that most people view holiness or sanctification only in the terms of the negative, what they cannot do. We don't do this, we don't do that, we refrain from these practices. Well, that's true. We, we are to flee youthful indiscretions. We're to abstain from every appearance of evil. And yet there's so much more to our sanctification. It's about all that we can do. I remember becoming Christian and realizing that as a Christian, I had freedoms I did not have before. I could enjoy life and not feel guilty. I mean, I could live and be the person God had created me to be. I could allow him to empower me, to equip me, to become that person. I didn't have to wake up in the morning and feel guilty about it. I didn't have a, uh, to wake up about a, a, you know, a bad attitude or although there's been plenty of those along the years. But the Lord has helped me. But it's that sanctifying power. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5 and just keep those scriptures up as we go through them. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You see, when we submit to the Spirit, we do not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. It's interesting, really, when you think about it. We reflect the people we hang around with. I can often tell a lot about a teenager by the friends that they keep. Now, teens don't like to, to hear that, but it's true. If, they're, if their friends are doing drugs and involved in these things, there's a good chance that they're in the same thing. That's not always the case, but it is often the case. 
Because we are often a reflection of those that we surround ourselves with. Keep that scripture up. Go back to the scripture you were just at. We become like the people that we hang out with. And that could be good or it could be bad. If you hang out with bitter, angry people, what happens is you start to become bitter and angry. If you hang out with people who gossip and slander and talk about other people, guess what? You probably will gossip and slander and talk about other people. We're often a reflection of those that we hang around with. So I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. When we live around the Spirit, when we allow the Spirit to have full control of our lives, what happens? We do not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Do you get that? As we're sensitive to the leading of God in our lives, and we are sensitive to His Spirit, He empowers us to not gratify the desires of our sinful nature. Let's go on. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Next verse. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Next verse. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy and drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the Word of God. You see, if we live like the Spirit, the Spirit will empower us to become the person God has created us to be. But if we live like the world and allow the desires of the sinful nature to have reign in our lives, what is the problem? The problem here is self-centered. It's our wanting to be in charge. Someone mentioned earlier that the title should be, Lord, take the wheel of this message, and you'll see in a minute. And we should replace this self-centered life with a Christ-centered life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Brothers, I do, not, I do not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You see, there's a difference between a babe in Christ and a mature Christian. A mature Christian says yes to Jesus and submits to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. A babe in Christ wants to be in charge. They want to take the wheel, if you will. You're still worldly for this, for their... For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? You see, the Lord wants to sanctify us. He wants to empower us to live in his spirit. John 14 tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by the truth. Christ is the truth. 
John 8.32 says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, it's the sanctifying power of the truth of who Christ is in you. And the presence of His Holy Spirit that sets you free. You see, the more we, let, we hang around Jesus, the more we spend time with Jesus, the more we develop a relationship with Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. As we dwell in His presence, His purpose is revealed in us. So what is the purpose of our sanctification? It's clarified for us in verse 18 of John 17. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. The Lord wants to sanctify you through and through. When we accept Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. But often the Holy Spirit doesn't receive all of us. We're babes in Christ. We're still on the milk. And he wishes we were on the meat. That we would get away from the carnality of our humanity. And we would come to that place of total surrender to the Lord. When I was uh, 17, I used to fly back and forth from Xenia, Ohio to Gallup Police, Ohio to help with students. We had a jump club at the skydiving club I was skydiving at in Gallup Police, Ohio. And we, it, was, it was kind of a, always a fun weekend. I would leave on a Friday night, and we would get in this little tiny plane. Typically, we would jump out of a Cessna 182, but the planes were down at the location, so we would fly this little uh, trainer plane. I think it was a Cessna I mean, 140. I forget. Anyway, it, it actually had seats. It had a pilot seat and a co-pilot seat, and that's the point. We would fly down, and, and when we would get to Gallup Police, Ohio, the pilot would fly over the jump club. I would find it, and sometimes, one, I remember one time, just for fun, instead of diving out of the plane in, with my parachute, I just sat in the door and rolled out backwards and just started spinning, backflip, backflip after backflip after backflip. It was fun. You couldn't see. It was dark. And then when I opened the chute, you know, you could see the horizon. It was just gorgeous. Well, we'd make that trip back and forth. And I would sometimes fly part of that trip. Even though I wasn't a pilot, I would just take the wheel. Well, sanctification is a lot like this pilot and co-pilot. Um, we accept Christ in our heart and our lives, but we're still holding the wheel of the plane. We want to be in charge. Christ is with us. We're babes in Christ. We're still in the milk of the word. We're growing. We're learning. But there comes a place of total surrender where we acknowledge that we can't do this. We can't live this Christian life on our own. You know, this thoughts, you know, those things in my mind, you know, we're not supposed to lust. And I still have these things in my mind. And I need to be purified. I can't do this. I can't wipe it out. Lord, renew my mind. The language. I became a Christian and I still swore like a sailor or every other kid in high school. And the Lord needed to renew my mind to get that stuff out of there. I'm repulsed by it today because of the where I was to where I am now. But for me there came this place where I was flying. I had the wheel. 
Christ was there with me. I was learning and growing, and Christ was constantly teaching me things. But a place of surrender. Lord, I can't do this. Take the wheel. And I gave my life. I accepted Christ quite a while ago, but now I asked the Holy Spirit to have full control of my life. And I said, Lord, here it is. I consecrate my life to you. And from that day into this, I have not gone back on that. Oh, there's been moments where I've taken the wheel from time to time and said, Lord, let me take, you know, I, I know best. And the Holy Spirit says, you know, back then and when you were 17, you said, Lord, have your full will in my life. You surrendered with your intellect and will. Yes, Lord, I remember. Take control. You see, the Lord wants to sanctify you through and through. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be set apart for the work of His kingdom. At salvation, you are no longer a part of this world, but you're a part of the kingdom of God. At at sanctification, the Holy Spirit empowers you to have an impact on the kingdom of God. Pastor Edgar is going to come and lead us in a song. And I don't know, I just have to believe in a room this size that there's someone who has not come to that place where they've made a commitment to Christ. Oh, they, they pay Him homage. And they respect Him. They believe in Him. They go to church some. But they've not come to that place of saying yes to Jesus. And asking Him into their heart. And asking, Lord, would you forgive me of my sin? Lord, would you help me to be the person you created me to be? But today is the day of salvation. We're going to open the altars and we want to invite you to come. There may be a team that's here today. And you've just been playing church. You don't want to play church anymore. But you want to enter into His presence and have a relationship with Him. Do you know that God wants to have a relationship with you? So much so that He sent His one and only Son to die for you. So that you can have a life. Not just like everybody else. But a life led by God be the best decision you ever made it could be that there's some in the room that have just been struggling with will they want to be in charge and this whole idea of surrendering to the Lord is difficult and yet today you say I, I want to give Lord, the Lord everything sanctify me through and through give me the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit in my life Lord I surrender, hands down, all to you. Let's stand and sing together. The altars are open.